Genesis chapter 1. How many know how to tell if your preacher is long-winded? If he starts with, in the beginning. Y'all are in trouble right now. I'm starting at the beginning of the book. We got all of this to go through today, so buckle up. Buttercup. No, we're only going to hang out in Genesis 1 and 2 today. So if you get there, say amen. Let me get there quickly. Of course, God does not waste any time with self-actualization, with letting us know why he's God or that he began and how he began. Sometimes it's offensive to have to defend who you are, and God never does that. Amen? He just says, in the beginning, God. If you don't start there, nothing else works. This is the foundation by which all logic, reason, math, systems, and planetary sources come from. You cannot calculate, you cannot reason, unless you have a fundamental understanding that in the beginning, God created. Every other religion puts God into the situation, into time, creating the earth. This is the only book that puts God outside of time, creating the universe and creating the earth and time with it. So we understand that this book has been attacked, has been criticized, all of these things, and yet it stands the test of time because it was founded by one who is outside of time. So good. Created the heavens and the earth. And David said, my help cometh from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He said, if you don't know who to run to for help, then you've lost your perspective on who created the earth and the heavens. When you know that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, you automatically know who to run to every time you need help. That's so good. I guess it's good for me. All right, God bless you. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of creation that you didn't just create through natural means, but you created through a supernatural process that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and that you spoke it into existence by the energy of your word, you made it all come to pass. And in those building blocks and in those things that we look into, I pray that we see only your fingerprints, not the delusion of man, not the ways in which man has tried to deny or take no responsibility toward a God, but that we would look at your divine design and say, truly, this is the hand of Almighty God at work. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. There's a story of an experiment that was conducted to see if greyhounds could compete with the speed of a cheetah. And I brought a picture with me of this competition and folks were very excited to watch this. And when the cage, the cages open, people that were looking on were shocked that the cheetah didn't move. 
The cheetah just stayed in the cage. The dogs took off running, and they asked the race coordinator what, what had happened. This, this was so uneventful, very anticlimactic. And they asked, why, why did the cheetah not move? Why did, why did it stay in its cage? And his response was, sometimes trying to prove that you're the best is an insult to your self-worth. Cheetah doesn't have to prove nothing to a dog. It's, you know, this thing going around on the Internet, and I'll clean it up for you, but it says bees don't have to try to, poop to prove to flies why honey is better than what flies like. Here's the picture. Bees don't try to convince a fly that honey is better than feces, okay? It doesn't, they don't do that. Same with this cheetah here. He's not interested in chasing the rabbit around the track. He's just chilling like a villain on penicillin. And uh, he, he's like, you guys want to run? Go ahead. I've already been designed to run. I don't have to prove what I've been designed to do. Hello, somebody. And when you've been designed by God to be in his image and his likeness, you don't have to prove to people that you're creative. You don't have to prove to people that you can step above the situations you've been in. You don't have to prove to people that you can outrun where you've been in your past because of the grace of God, that you can do better and go farther with less. Hello, somebody. Because you are created in the image of God and in his likeness, he created them. And so he created male and female. And I brought a couple of people here with me to help me explain some of this. And I'll share them with you in just a minute. But we're just going to call them Mr. and Mrs. Flat, okay? Everybody say, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Flat. All right, Mr. and Mrs. Flat are two-dimensional objects. They do not have uh, a lot of round to them. She's very appreciative of that, you know, and... Uh, He's not very, he's a little bit buff, but not too buff. And, uh, but when God created man and woman, he also created us the ability to reason and to choose right and wrong. And so we have to understand that we have the ability to reason and have logic based upon the fact that God gave us reason and logic, okay? So unless God gives us the ability to understand something, we would not have that. The only way that we would know whether something is right or wrong is if God had envisioned and given that to us. And when he created the heavens and the earth, the Bible says in the beginning, God or Elohim created the heavens and the earth. This is not in the beginning, God, Jehovah, the word that is used for relationship. How many was at midwinter uh, camp meeting and they heard about some of this? How God, when he created the earth, he demonstrated it as Elohim, the God who is all-powerful, all-sufficient, all-knowing, omnipresent, all of those big omni words, amen? Omniscient means all-knowing, omnipresent, meaning everywhere at once, omnipowerful, all-powerful. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think, the Bible says. He's able to do above what you can think. So think your farthest and realize that you haven't tapped what God could do. Think your deepest and you haven't plumbed the depths of God's wisdom. You cannot go where God is unless he woos you or draws you or brings you to right understanding. So reasons and logic and all of those things that are in Scripture, we have to understand those are given to us by God, those systems that we understand. The way that we know that math works is because God created 
math. Hello, somebody. And all the English people said, oh, I don't like them numbers. You either run the numbers or the numbers run you. It's just a fact. But Mr. and Mrs. Flat are here. On uh, We're going to just call on a one-dimensional surface. And Mr. and Mrs. Flat are uh, two-dimensional individuals. So the best way for me to explain this to you is that they actually are like this, okay? So Mr. Flat meets Mrs. Flat and says, wow, he sees a... All he sees is a line. That's all he sees, okay, because he's two-dimensional. He doesn't see her like this. He sees her like this. And what I'm trying to communicate is the fact that there is only limited understanding that we have unless God steps in and gives us more understanding. In other words, the Holy Spirit does give us revelation of who God is. We cannot understand God as Elohim because he's too outside of the dimensions of our understanding, in other words, he's too big of a God for us to understand. So in order for us to, uh, to understand this, I want you to understand this is, like, this is like what we are. We're two-dimensional individuals. If you were to look at these two individuals, um, Mr. Flat would walk up and he would go maybe around Mrs. Flat and he could see her outline and say, Mrs. Flat, you're looking mighty fine today. But he cannot see from top down like we can see because we are three, four-dimensional, three-dimensional individuals. I can see that Mrs. Flat is not just a flat line, but she is actually, she has form to her, okay? And this is why God says that the outer man looketh on the appearance, but God looks on the heart because God is outside of time looking into time as a God of the universe, and he can see everything inside of you that others cannot see. In other words, he knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your life. And he knows what others see as just a line. They, God sees as emotions, intellect. He sees all of you. And he's working all that together for good. Amen? So that's why God, the Bible says that man looketh on the outer appearance, but God looketh on the heart. That God literally can be closer to you than someone sitting right next to you in this room. The reason why is because even though Mr. Flat likes Mrs. Flat, and she, uh, you know, dresses up for Mr. Flat and says, hey, Mr. Flat, uh, does this line make me look fat? And he doesn't answer that question ever. And he says, yes, Mrs. Flat, you're looking lovely. But while he's this close to Mrs. Flat because they're married and they love each other, amen, um, I can be closer to Mrs. Flat because I'm outside of her timeline. In other words, God's in, in the universe of, of what God is, the Elohim of God in Genesis 1, all through Genesis 1. God created the heavens and the earth. God did this. God did that. It's saying God who is able to be everything we need him to be and closer to us than any human could ever be is the God who made everything. Amen? So, and we'll get into more detail about some of that next week, talking about the different things. But this kind of turns into a book report if we start talking about just all of the minutia of, you know, creation science stuff. And I didn't want to do that, but I want you to understand that when God's looking at man and woman, he's looking at our lives from the top down. Everyone say top down. Having all knowledge of who we are. And he cannot love you more than he loves you right now. Understand that, that God's love needs to be embraced by your heart because you have to understand that even though you're only seeing certain aspects of your life, you're only seeing certain lines and certain uh, uh, 
complications in your life. God is outside that working all things together for good. That's Romans 8, 28, right? So we know that even though we're close to people and people can let us down, even though we know we're close to people, but we still feel lonely, he said he's the God who never leaves us or forsakes us. So when you understand that he is Elohim, you know that even if you don't feel him, he's there, amen? Even if he's not manifesting and you get goosebumps, you know, or you're not in a praise and worship service at the moment and the lights are going and the band is playing and you feel all of God from the top of your head to the sole of your feet, even when you're just sitting at home and you have a bad emotional day and you're triggered and stuff's going on at work, God is still closer to you in that moment, still loves you just as much in that moment as the moment you felt him the highest in your emotions. Thank God he is a God that we can feel. I'm so thankful for that. He didn't have to be that kind of God. He didn't have to come to us and say, I'm going to let you experience me, but he came out of heaven, divested himself of all glory, stepped into the earth, walked in shoe leather, and he came and died for us. Amen, somebody. Died on that cross for us. He said, I don't want to just buy the lines in your life. I don't want to just buy the the direction of your life. I want to buy all of you, the good, the bad, the ugly. I put my grace and my blood on that so that when I look at you, I love you completely, not just for who you are, not just for what you've done, not just for how great you've checked the boxes this week or how good you've been from the word of God, but believing, not only believing, but living the word of God. Great. That's wonderful. But I also want you to know that I loved you when you were a sinner. I loved you when you were at your worst. I loved you when nobody else would love you. I loved you when you weren't at your best. And I'm still making you better. Thank God for a God who knows how to do that. God created the earth. And he knows how to create still. I'm thankful that he can create a situation for me. Even in the worst situations, he can create a way out. Nobody else can do that. You know, some people think God and the devil are the same. They're opposites. They're not even close. The devil is a created being. And he does not have creative power. Understand that. He only has power to steal. steal. I always say that wrong. Steal. Kill. I guess that's Alaska coming back. And destroy. Do you understand what I mean by that? That the only power the enemy can have is if he takes it. God has power that he doesn't have to be given. And when he gives, he doesn't lose anything. Amen? Oh, my goodness. If you think God has done the best he's ever done for you, it hasn't even scratched the surface of what he can do. If we could get that, oh, man, we'd do some crazy stuff. We'd start a business. We'd run some stuff. We'd do things that you shouldn't be doing in 2022. People say you can't do that. And we'd be like, watch me and Jesus. We'll get this done. Amen. And so some of you know what that's like because you've been in that situation. And so people ask me, well, if it just says in the beginning, God, how do you know there is a God? And this big question of is there a God? That is the beginning of understanding faith. And it's important that we know that Thoughts on God are given by God. You know, he's, he's the one that re- approaches us. And, and so it must be God who's given the correct response or understanding of him. If he doesn't give us that, we wouldn't have it. And if God created the heavens and the earth, then he is the author and the finisher or the beginning, the finish of that, and he holds it all together, the Bible says. And we also know, in this understanding that every thing has underlying uniformity. 
when you look at creation and you look at science and you look at other things, there's underlying uniformity. I'm not talking about the science that's been trademarked recently that is not logical and not anything that is true physical science or through true observational or uh, operational science. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about science that proves the Word of God and the Word of God that proves science. It's really a handshake, brothers and sisters. It's always tried to be... They've always tried to pull it apart, but that's because they want to step away from the accountability of having a God. It's an authority thing, brothers and sisters. It's not anything to do with good science. It's an authority issue. That's what it is. They don't want the authority of having a Lord. But when we get to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1, we understand that God starts to speak in ways that is completely different from anything he's ever said before. And so he says, the, the God, let me go back to chapter 2 i got to find it in this Bible. It says, thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. Everybody say finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested. God went to church. Everybody say church. On the seventh day. He went and had some worship. Hello, somebody. From all his works, he worked hard for six days and then went to church, and he had from all the work that he had done, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he rested from his work. If God needed to rest, did he really have to rest? No, he was giving us an example that we need a day of rest in our life. Now, understand the Holy Spirit is the Sabbath. We don't, we don't, the Sabbath happens every second for a believer, amen, because we have the Holy Ghost in our life. So that's a revelation that would come later. But God was giving them an understanding that you work hard and then you take a day and you honor God and you rest in it. It's good for the body, good for the mind. I can't, and we're not resting anymore. That's why we have so much mental illness in our planet is because nobody's resting. We got so much coming at us all the time. We got every feed scrolling all the time. We have to understand that we need a time to shut down, turn off, unplug, disconnect, amen? We need time to spend with God. And that's what he's meaning is whenever you do work, find a place where you stop and you hear from the word of God and you rest in the spirit of God. And that is what the example is. And so we get down to verse 7, and this is where God is done with the planet. He's done creating. And we'll go into more of that next week. But and now he's going to create man. And the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That is the first place. That word God there is still Elohim. But that word, Lord, is Jehovah. It's the only place, that you, the first place in Scripture. It's called first mention in original language where the words Lord God are put together because God knew we needed more than just a God, but we needed a Savior. Amen. So he said, I'm not going to form, I'm not going to get my hands dirty. I'm not going to form them if I'm not willing to be their savior. He had a plan before man sinned, amen? From the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth with the plan to save man. If he was going to give them the unction and free will to choose wrong, God did not create evil, but he allowed the ability for evil because he gave man will. 
Understand that evil is in the earth because of a decision. Death is in the earth because of a decision. Man and Adam and Eve fell. They chose. And from that, sin came into the earth, and sin bringeth forth death. We understand that. So if you look at, if you look at this right, you understand that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground because he knew they were going to need a Savior Amen. The Jesus was slain from the foundations of the earth. What does that mean in Bible? That means that when God looked at creation, he looked through Jesus. Amen. When you look at anything in your life, you should look through Jesus. When you look at anything that has happened to you, make sure you don't look through bitterness. Make sure you don't look through anger. Make sure you look through Jesus. How he forgave, we should forgive. How he loved, we should love. If there's anything you hear today, when you look at anything that's difficult in your life, look through the image of Jesus Christ because he was created. And so because he was created through that lens, then we have death, burial, and resurrection in everything in creation. Dawning is morning. Amen. Death is going to sleep. You spend all day, you're working hard, you get, why, why am I yawning at 8 o'clock? I'm getting old. <laughs> Anybody else want to join me? Don't raise your hand. Don't elbow your loved one. You can't even stay up till 9 o'clock. Come on. Start to head toward the grave, amen, for the night. and Go to sleep. And get some good rest. And then dawn comes. Resurrection. You get up in the morning, you feel great. If you don't, you got to go see somebody and have them help you. Get a personal trainer, do something. When you get up in the morning, angels ought to be singing. Breakfast should be on. You should just float down to the eggs and the bacon. Thank you, Jesus, for bacon. Thank you, Lord, for that vision on Joppa's rooftop where Peter saw the animals coming down in the tent and there was pigs in there and there was seafood in there. Mix a little bit of that into a burrito and have you some breakfast. Well, thank you, Jesus. That's the most preaching I did all day right there. Coming off of a fast. All of you are ready to leave and go have lunch. Let's beat them to the, let's beat them to the restaurant. The Lord God formed from the dust to the ground. The, there were some really smart scientists, and they are smart. Oh, my goodness. And they decided they were going to challenge God. They're like, we have learned how to create humans. We can do this just like you did it. We can create humans. And uh, God's like, all right. He said, we want to have a competition. You make a human, we make a human, and watch how good we do it. And God's like, yeah, that's good. We'll do it. Let's, let's do this. So they met up. All the scientists were there. God was there. And God said, okay, you guys go first. Go. And they reached down. They scooped up some dirt. He said, ah, no, no. Get your own dirt. <laughs> you have to understand that when we start looking at God, he took us from nothing to make us into something. And every time, oh, I feel like preaching. Every time you feel like you've got nothing, 
That is a vacuum for Elohim. That is a vacuum for Jehovah, the God of relationship, to step in. When you feel like nothing has been happening, when you feel like there's a void, you heard it preached already. I just was saying it again. Uh, thank God for nothing, amen? If you ever have a moment where you're like seeing nothing move, just, just go ahead and put your hand on your hip, get a little attitude, and go, well, thank God for nothing. Because if I got nothing, that means God's up to something. He cannot leave things empty. He cannot leave things in a void state. God created the heavens the earth and the earth was without form and void amen we know that god created a space of emptiness so that god who fills all things could show his glory in it and then he spoke by the spoken word and by that spoken word we understand that he created the worlds and they were formed just as they are the world that spins on its axis the world that has gravity that keeps us on the planet you're so exhausted because you're moving at miles per hour every second amen you're worn out because you are literally circling the sun. What are we going to do with this understanding of God? We're going to lift our hands and we're going to thank him. We're going to be so appreciative that he's come and given us the understanding of not only who he is, but that he came and died on the cross and saved us from our sin. He not only gave us a place to live and a perfect place to live, but he gave us salvation, perfect salvation. Somebody said amen. But you know us humans, we like to mess it up. So Mr. and Mrs. Flat are having a wonderful Saturday afternoon, and the Lord reveals himself to them. Thank God he does. And Mrs. Flat's over here, and the Lord, say this is her timeline right here. That's their timeline. And the Lord intersects their timeline. Just three fingers. He introduces himself to a small part. He's Elohim. He's outside time. And he just introduces himself to her as three fingers. Now, all she sees is three circles. Three. She walks around, sees three lines that close in a circle. God is over here, and he reveals himself to Mr. Flat. There's one finger, and he's excited. He's excited. He comes home, long day from work, parks the car, gets inside, forgets to shut the door on the way in. The wife's like, are we heating the outside now? Is that what we're doing? Is this a barn? No wonder my kids think they're born in a barn. And he's like, oh, honey, I got to tell you. I got to tell you. This is the most exciting thing. I heard and felt God today. And he's the God of one circle. No excitement in the room? It doesn't do anything for you, huh? And she's like, oh, that's amazing. I experienced God today, too. He came and visited me at the house, and I felt his presence, and I knew he was near, and it was such a precious moment. And I realized he showed me that he's the God of three circles. He's like, oh, no. I'm going to stand against that. My God's the God of one circle. She's like, oh, no. You are always wrong and think you're right. I'm the God, he's the God of three circles. So she goes over here to the church of three circles, and he goes over here to the church of one circle. And all it is is the fact that God only showed them a portion of who he is, not all of who he is. And for us to understand all of who he is, you have to have the Holy Ghost revealing who God is. So you can either have this church that's man-made religion or this church that's man-made religion, 
or you can stay in relationship with God and understand that he might show himself to somebody as healer, and he's their healer more than anything else. He might show himself to somebody else as their deliverer, and he's their deliverer because they couldn't get out, had no way out, couldn't pick themselves up, couldn't get past the struggles they were in, but Jesus stepped in and became their deliverer, and so he is more that than anything else in their life right now. That doesn't change who he is. That doesn't make him the God of three circles or one circle or three gods in one or this or that. He is still God Almighty, God in one, and his name is Jesus. Amen? It is not us who need to create religion as an effort to reach God, but it is God who said, the Lord God formed man. In other words, I'm a relational God. Don't look at everything I created and just say, God, you're so big, I can't understand you. Understand that if you want to approach God, you don't approach him with religion, you approach him with relationship. You don't build a church off of concepts and theology, you build a church off of relationship with Almighty God, because that's why he built this globe in the first place was to put us in a garden that was perfect so we could have relationship with him brothers and sisters that is why we know we are in the right church because it's a church that's bent on having the best relationship with Jesus Christ amen would you stand with me today I hope this helps you well can you really believe in creation science, pastor, and be a scientist? Well, ask Sir Isaac Newton. He was a creationist. He believed that God, in the beginning, created the heavens and the earth. And he came up with gravity. I think he got that right. You jump off a building, find out later, it's the sudden stop at the bottom that hurts, not the flight down. He came up with all kinds of understanding of optics. Amen? Spectacles. All those things came from Sir Isaac Newton. Stinking smart. Hello, somebody. And he believed God made this globe. David said, the Lord sits upon the circle of the earth long before we even had the ability to understand. The earth is not flat. If there's any flat earthers in the place, God bless you. We'll see you next week. I'll take care of that next week. I don't have time. But there wouldn't be a crescent moon if the earth was flat because the shadow of the earth forms a globe on the moon, forms a shape. And when you see some, a boat go over the horizon, they're not going off the end of the earth like some of the original found, uh, explorers thought. But when Jesus writes it down, like the life of the blood, life of the flesh is in the blood. Long before medical science knew that, it's in Leviticus, in this word of God. Everything in this Bible says that God stood outside of time, made a Savior provision for us, and then whew, spoke the world into existence. If you take this table, hear me one more time. I'm trying to decide if I want to go into that. Let me finish. Kepler's laws, anybody know about that guy? He was able to understand the three laws of planetary motion all from understanding that God created the worlds. Einstein's a pretty smart fellow, isn't he? He believed in God. How many know the theory of relativity? E equals mc squared. 
energy equals motion times the speed of light squared. I believe is how you say that. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Which means that I'm touching this because these are molecules and atoms that are slowed down to where I can interact with them. Everything in our world is slowed down so that we can interact with it. When God created planets, he created time. Death was not in the earth until the fall of man. Those are basic principles. But if I take this table and I throw it at the speed of light, oh, could I do that? That'd be a superpower, wouldn't it? Hey, want me to throw something at the speed of light? <laughs> I'd like to get a cape and call myself speed of light man. Just flap it in the wind. If I take this table and I throw it at the speed of light squared, every molecule that I can touch in this table would turn back to energy. In other words, God slowed down eternity to give us physical things. So everything you're interacting with is what God created for you to interact with. And so if he can create it, he can manipulate it, he can control it. And if you've lost control of any area of your life today, I want to tell you, all you've got to do is say, God, you're my helper, the one who made heaven and earth. I give my life to you. I return to you the things I tried to do on my own. You created it. You can help me find a way out. He is the way, the truth, and the life, brothers and sisters. Would you bow your heads with me, Jesus? I don't know if this has impacted anybody. I pray that they feel an understanding that we need relationship more than anything. We need an understanding that our problems minimize when we look at the massive creative ability that you have. And that in the beginning, you created with the power of Elohim, the all-sufficient God. But when you got dirty, when you got to the point of having relationship, you said, I don't care about how magnificent I am. I want them to know how connect, how to connect with me. And so you made us as Lord God. Would you give somebody a relationship with you? Would you turn somebody's heart back to you today? In this precious place, we pray. And everyone said in Jesus' name, God bless you. If you need to go, if not, we always open the altar for someone to pray if they need to. Maybe you've had some struggles. Maybe you've had some situations. And I know I've used some humor, but would you maybe find a place to pray? If you need coffee, there's coffee there. Meet us outside this room if you want to, and we'd love to meet you. But God bless you as you go. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Amen. Come on, let's pray a little bit, somebody. Let's take some time with the Lord.
It's fun.